This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. This week, we have the second of a two-part conversation about Adult Sunday School with Dave Shulker and Fred Kuhl. Before we get to that, however, we always like to start our podcast with a brief discussion about the catechism question from this Sunday's liturgy. This week's question is from the Heidelberg Catechism, and it is, what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? Three things. First, how great my sin and misery are. Second, how I am set free from all my sins and misery. And third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. To make sense of this question, you've got to know the the first one. And the first question is just, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Uh, I'm, I'm not going to read the whole answer because it's it's very long, but it's essentially that we belong to Christ and we live in him mm. and through him. And so following up now, question two is how, like, what must we know to live and die in that joy and comfort? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's three things. And the first is how great my sin and misery are. Mm. And I think this is unique to the Christian faith and particularly the Reformed tradition Mm. of the recognition of your sin. And that doesn't seem like it would be something that leads to joy and comfort, but it's only in light of the fact that your sin is then taken care of Mm. by Christ, Mm. that it is a comfort. Mm. And so acknowledging that your sin is great and your miseries are great too, I think only adds to how much greater comfort comes in Christ. Yeah. So the greater the sin, the greater the misery, the the deeper the comfort and joy you have in Christ. Mm. And then the second is, how am I set free from all my sins and misery? Again, that's referring back to Christ so that you're able to have the joy and comfort because of how you have been saved. Mm. Um, And that's by Christ's death. Um, and resurrection. Um, And then the last is how I am to thank God for such a deliverance. Um, And so it kind of, I think it wraps it up very well that when you're able to sit and reflect on your sin, mourn over it, but then you are better able to understand your circumstance and see how Christ's salvation is the greatest gift and blessing, Mm. then that can then lead you to this last part of being thankful to God because of the deliverance that he gives. And it's, it's the truth in like all matters as a Christian, right? Mm. You can have misery and suffer and sorrow. Yeah. Um, because you live in a sinful, broken world. Yeah. And so you have this idea that whether you are a sinner and you are saved, or maybe you are already saved, but you have kind of this misery that you're surrounded in, or you are going through misery because of the sufferings in this world, right. like you are provided comfort no matter what. Right. And being able to reflect on all of these things gives you, I think, balance. It gives you, you know, the way that Pastor Paul puts it, like consistency in your life Mm. or a constancy that you can be stable no matter what situation you're in because you recognize these three things in your life. And so even if you fall victim to someone's sinning against you, you can still reflect on these three things. 
because you have a sober view on yourself and sober view on the world that you live in. So, yeah, that, that first point is it, it, when you first read it, it's almost a little bit shocking because it, it seems so dour and depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it almost makes it seem like, oh, you, you first have to be depressed before right. you get to, <laughs> before you can accept salvation. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I do think that there is a kind of existential crisis that a lot of people kind of do come to when the truth of the gospel really hits them. But I think that it's, you know, especially when you're younger, it's not necessary for you to know all the miseries of the world and <laughs> you, ha- you don't have to feel utterly helpless about your, about your situation. Mm-hmm. What might be more evident to you and more important to feel and know and, and, and get knowledge of is, is that sense that God cares for me, loves me, takes care of me, has made a way for me. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, that tension, like you said, that tension that Christianity has is unique, that we are able to embody both great joy and hope. And at the same time, sadness and grief, we can allow ourselves to be open to and vulnerable to the awfulness that's in the world that is within us sometimes that is that we can't that sometimes we can't escape in the news or in the or in just our families or in our our own personal frustrations but at the same time we can also take such joy and comfort and hope and and delight and enjoyment um, in christ and in his power and in his sovereignty and in his love and in his care and in his character and his concern for us and in, and in his advocacy for us, you can be fully vulnerable and fully aware of human depravity and the world's fallenness and um, how things are not yet. Yeah. While at the same time, also being fully aware of the already and being fully able to rejoice and give praise and feel blessed because of what God has done for us. It's really a contradiction, a paradox that we live in. Yeah. I think those are great things to do. It's fun to do them together. It's for some people might be hard to find the motivation to be like, do that on your own, but it's fun to do together and to, to wrestle with together. Let me ask you gentlemen about preparation. I've taught a few uh, adult Sunday school classes. And part of the reason I do it is just because it helps me get into the Bible and give it serious study. And also oftentimes the things that I choose to prepare for are things that I myself have had an itch on things that I myself have had questions or issues or problems with, and, and I've, I kind of wanted a reason to, to really dig into it and try to resolve those for my own personal satisfaction. So tell me a little bit about what it's been like to um, prepare for the class and put these materials and notes together. Well, I'll, I'll start on this one, Mm. I guess. I started the way I'm going to recommend everybody who comes to the class start, which is 
read Luke, mm-hmm. then read Luke again, <laughs> you know, then maybe read Luke a third time, uh, maybe read him in several different English translations, yeah. and start making notes about questions that arise. This actually has been a standard part of my Bible classes at seminary. Start by reading the text. You know, don't, don't go to commentaries, just read it through, start thinking about what you're seeing, especially notice things that you don't understand. Mm. So I'm start making notes. So that's how I've begun. That's how I'm going to recommend people prepare before they come to the class. Then after you've done your reading and you've written down whatever questions you have, you might want to crack open a commentary to see what they have. I'm going to recommend to people the small commentary by Leon Morris. Morris's commentary is a very good one. I consulted several other commentaries as I was preparing, uh, much longer, much more complicated. And very often I had the experience of coming to Morris and finding that in five pages, he's said everything that needs to be said. <laughs> oh, it's nice when you find like a, a gem like that, that, that really helps. Yeah that you can kind of rely on to help open up a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but read first. You know, and I, I would say that's the right thing to do with the shorter catechism yeah. class as well. Yeah. You know what you know what questions are coming up? Read through them. Make notes about the things you want to stump Dave with when you get there. You know, it, the funny thing about the shorter catechism class that I found is when I when you first approached me about the class, Tom, yeah. I thought, well, I need resources. You know, I need mm. books. I need to hear what people have said about these. And then as I, and then I sat down going through those books and started planning out. And as I was going, it was almost like I stopped using the books Mm. just naturally and just let the catechism teach me (laughs) because it is a teaching tool. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing how much each question flows from the last one, how much there's a logical order to them. When you read them one after the other, each new answer raises other questions. And then the next question will answer the question raised by the previous answer. Yeah. And then if there was any part of the shorter catechism where you thought, oh, I think that's a little too brief. I'd like to know more about Mm -hmm. that. Oftentimes there's two or three questions in the larger catechism that really, uh, you know, completely address all of those unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about these things is they are just summaries of what the Bible says. They're not new revelation, right? They're not, they're not anybody adding to the Bible. They're all just saying, here's what we think about the Bible. And then they all point to Bible verses for why they think that. So it's almost like you're having a conversation with the saints the the folks that came before us and they're saying dave tom yeah. this is what i think the bible says and you say why do you think that and they say well here here and here yeah. that's why and you go okay and you're evaluating so it's almost like a conversation about the bible that teaches you as you go and so the more by the end of it when i got to the last part i was really just trying to think of ways to illustrate what the catechism was teaching mm. maybe ways to relate it to modern culture so that people could think critically and they'd say oh well this catechism is arguing for this uh, you know, how is our culture saying different things that we might be accepting without even realizing mm. it? And we need to use the catechism to inoculate us against that. Mm. And so it was, it on its own started teaching me and started preparing me just by virtue of what it is, which was cool. Yeah. And you know, that's the real joy and value of classes like these actually, because I think that the Bible and theology, there's a limitation to how much we can get out of them in isolation. We get so much when we are talking it out over with other people, when we are, you know, bringing our own questions, bringing our own ideas, bringing our own worldviews to clash with some things that we see in scripture. And I, and to hear how other people have, have seen these, uh, issues and 
and to push back and to hear and to get guidance, you know, from, not just from the people in the room, but to get guidance from tradition, from history, from scholarship. And, you know, that's, that's really when a lot of these things to me become really exciting. Yeah. I, that's a very important thing, Tom, that working together, we're learning in community mm. and not just community, uh, on the Sunday where we're meeting, but in the case of the catechisms, we're in community with believers from back of the 17th century and forward who have written down these things and we can interact with them. Yeah. The cloud of witnesses. Yeah. I'd like to hear your thoughts on attendance and participation in your classes. So I don't want to, I don't want this to sound too like school marmy <laughs> and be like, you know, in order to attend these classes, you need to be taking notes and attend every class and, and make it a, a list of rules. But I do like to hear from your perspective as, as having led, uh, some of these classes and participated in some of these classes, what has been beneficial, what has been heartwarming, what has been good in terms of getting the most out of participating in a class like this? One thing that's certainly clear is that the classes have to be accessible to somebody who just walks in. Mm. I mean, that that's the situation that we're in, and that's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think it's, it's reasonable to try to make the classes more useful to people who are able to do some preparation. So my intent is to get the word out beforehand to suggest to people that they do just what I said. Start out by reading and noting questions. You might want to get yourself a copy of Morris's book. I'm hoping each week in the newsletter to say, we're going to look at this passage in Luke. Here are a couple of questions you might want to think about, because I'm certainly going to ask them. I'm hoping you all will help us answer them. Mm. So there should be some continuity. Yeah, that continuity is, is certainly helped by regular attendance, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think we've had, you know, Michelle is always laughing whenever she tells people about the class because she says that she's so surprised by how many people have been regularly attending the Shorter Catechism. <laughs> You've gotten a good reception, Dave. Yeah, she said something like she thought it would just be me and her the first <laughs> week. And uh, and it's been, we've, we've had a pretty good turnout. And the nice thing about it is, like, like Fred said, you kind of have to be prepared for people to not be walking in knowing a lot about it, but shorter catechism questions are so short that we really read them throughout the discussion. It gives people an opportunity to get the juices flowing and speak in the class mm. without being put on the spot. And so we really just go down the line and read a chunk of questions and then we discuss them. Mm. And I try to leave people with stuff that they can chew on after the class so that they have a chance rather than giving them reading that they have to do beforehand. I have some of these longer quotes that I include in a handout that are things that you really need to think about a little bit and, and read and reread. And there's some treasures that I found over the years from different works, you know, where I'm like, oh, this is a really good description. It's a little long, but it's really good description of this particular catechism concept. And so I send them a little like basically to go box, uh, of, yes. uh, of goodness for them to take <laughs> with them. And that that's been the basic idea, but yeah, we, I mean, for the most part, people have been showing up consistently. It's been great. We've had good turnout. People participate and are interested way beyond where we kind of, where we expected coming into the class. Yeah. Dave, I think if we had an even bigger room, you would have even more people in there. <laughs> As you were talking, Dave, I thought about how, when I've prepared and taught these classes, there's, there's often a number of moments where I will come to a realization or 
something suddenly occurs to me about what I'm reading. And I really just want to have other people in the class go through the same journey, right? Not just know the same material or just get the content, but to actually go on that journey and to realize something for themselves. That's, that doesn't happen unless you're actively participating, you know? Yeah. Well, this has been great. I, I wanted to close by, uh, perhaps asking you guys if you have any thoughts about what other classes, uh, would be interesting or maybe needed at new city. Actually, I've been doing some thinking about this. Have you? Uh, and what I'm going to say is going to sound terribly ambitious. I think it would be good for us eventually to be able to offer classes that go through all of the scripture. Hmm. I think there's a degree of confidence that you get in the scripture when you see how it all fits together. Hmm. Dave alluded to that earlier. Hmm. It just to be, to have gone through all of it at some level, to see how the parts fit together and to see that all of it reflects one plan that the Lord has for uh, saving his people. That's a big help. Mm -hmm. I also just think there's something to be said for systematic approach to certain doctrines. You know, we've, we've got some big issues that are facing us in our culture. Mm. I mean, anthropology to mention one t such topic is a big one. Mm. You know, what does the scripture say about the nature of human beings? Mm -hmm. And it also would be helpful perhaps eventually to have some church history. You know, in church history, you think of lots of dead white guys. We need to do more than that. The, the point of studying church history is to maybe not make some of the same mistakes <laughs> yeah. um, and, and to give thanks to the Lord for what he's done. Yeah both in the past and is doing now to have a better sense of the, the moment that we find ourselves in. That's true. Sometimes you will attend a church history class at a church and there's a, there's a little bit of a hagiography going on where they just pick like the highlights of some of the best things that we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's good to see the sausage getting made sometimes yeah. as, as repellent as the process may be. Yeah just to understand how this works. Yeah, that's actually almost more encouraging to me to know how yeah. flawed people have been and yet still yeah. God still works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to that. That was a that was a great question. I'm ready to sign up, <laughs> sign up for for all those things Fred. Um the only thing I can think of that I would add is a little bit along the same lines as church history is it's what's been fun about going through the history, going through the Westminster standards and the context is it has been fun to spend time with people who came before us to hear mm -hmm. their thoughts, to think about the same verses that they're thinking about and to connect with them. And I think we're in a bit of a cultural moment where we feel we, the broader culture, even outside of the church, feel like we don't have any connection to the past. And that can send a lot of Christians, you know, running for things that just feel sacred, like, oh, I want to go check out Catholicism or I want to go check out Orthodoxy because these things have traditions running way back. And I think that, so maybe that's not a great course of action to follow if you feel that way, but the feeling is, is legitimate. It's an authentic yeah. feeling. I think that's created from the, the moment that we're in. And so I think the way to do that is to, to do what Fred was saying, like connect with the saints of old, not just going back to 1600 because right. the church did exist prior to the reformation. Right. And yeah. so like going back and reading these old works that are either translated or that are, that are Thankfully, in the case of Westminster, we're already in English and they're already accessible to yeah. us. And 
And in doing so, you get to know and you get to connect with the people that are in the church that we're going to spend eternity with. And so those those kind of things, not just the standards, but other works that saints have written, mm. other documents that came out of either that generation in the English Reformation or, you know, going back even further uh, on back to even the saints of the very early church. You know, I think those are great things to do. Like, it's fun to do them together. It's for some people it might be hard to find the motivation to be like, do that on your own, mm -hmm. but it's fun to do together and to, to wrestle with together. That's true. I mean, oftentimes when we are living in such a time that feels full of novelty and change and newness, there's sort of a temptation to try to come up with answers from scratch or to reinvent the wheel or to feel like, you know, we just, you know, there's, there's no guidance, but there's guidance. There's guidance in scripture. There's guidance in tradition. There's guidance in saints of old. Yeah. Yeah. One, one clear example, you know, we're living in a time of, I think, political discomfort, <laughs> slash upheaval don't say. slash turmoil <laughs> and that, that you, was... you might be aware of this tom and fred you know some of us if we pick up the newspaper things uncomfortable things are happening politically and the it's helpful to remember just the basic fact that the westminster standards that we're studying in my sunday school class were written during a period of english civil war mm. oh yeah like there was a civil war going mm. on between the crown and parliament during the time when these theologians got together and decided, let's clarify, let's reform the church. Yeah. Let's think about how, what, what is Christianity as it comes to us in the Bible and how can we glorify God yeah. in our lives? And so in the other words, in other words, like they're showing us how to be faithful during a time where it feels like there's a lot of turmoil yeah. and, and that's even fun to connect with them about. When you're, you know? when you're in the storm, what are the truths that matter? that don't change. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you guys that that list that Fred uh, came up with is, is great. And, and I love uh, Sunday school classes that specifically revolve around particular scriptures. I think sometimes people think that, you know, oh, I attend sermons. I go to FG. I'm getting a lot from the Bible. Why do I have to you know, attend the class on top of all that. But it's, it's very different, actually, the way you read a Bible or the way that you listen to a sermon or the way that you maybe more casually um, talk about it uh, in FG. And, it, and that sort of real commitment to study, it reaps rewards, you know, that, that you wouldn't get in other contexts. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Next week, Mark and I will start a conversation on FGs. And as the weather changes, I thought I might, might uh, recommend that you keep an extra layer inside the car, a light jacket or something to add on when you find that the sanctuary is particularly cold that day. <laughs> and also, this might be the last week or maybe the next to last where you might mow your lawn before the cold snap comes. Once the temperature drops below 60 degrees, you should probably leave your lawn alone for the rest of the year. All right. See you next week. We pray our discussion was edifying to you, and we'd love to hear any feedback. Mark's email is mark at newcityva.org. Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-M-A-D-O-G-M-A dot bandcamp.com.
www.sunnykim.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sunny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, watch those windows.